Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited about this episode because I get to sit down with a gentleman who has become a friend in a mastermind that I'm in. His name is Christian Michelson, and Christian is literally one of the leading authorities on personal development and personal coaching. And get this, he's the author of four number one best-selling books, four of them, you guys. All went to number one. But the one that we're going to talk the most about is Abundance Unleashed, because that is what this episode, that is what this podcast is all about. He's going to walk you through some of the hacks that he has, that he shares at his live event in order to shift people from lack to abundance. And when he talks about abundance, when he talks about wealth, when he talks about being rich, he talks about all areas of life and he shows you how to connect them all. It's not just about the money and you don't have to be rich in life without the money either. So everything he stands for, including the journey he's taken himself from food stamps, yes, growing up on food stamps to a multi-multi-millionaire today with a company that is one of the fastest growing in Inc. 5000 the past three years, everything he stands for is making this shift. He did it himself and he's going to show you how to do it as well. So literally get ready, take some notes. This episode is incredible. All right, Christian, my friend, I am really excited to talk to you today. You know, in all the times that we have spent in the mastermind, I feel like I've had these little moments of getting to know you, but I've never actually had the opportunity to talk to you as in-depth as we're going to today. And it's something that I've actually been been wanting to do. So looking forward to it. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped. Yes, for sure. Okay, so here's what we do on my show. Um, we start with some rapid fire. It's kind of a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry and you know set the pace and all that fun stuff. And if there's something that comes up during the rapid fire that we want to do a deep dive on, we'll circle back to it. So you in? Yep, I'm in. All right, cool. We're going to start real simple. Where'd you grow up? Glendale Heights, Illinois. Ah, that's right. Fellow Midwesterner. And where do you live now? San Diego, Illinois. Uh, San Diego, California. <laughs> San Diego, Illinois. That might be the best of two worlds right there. Yeah. No, San Diego, California. I, I love I love it much better than Illinois. <laughs> Illinois is great, but San Diego yeah. weather can't be beat. Careful, you get some hate mail from Illinois there. Uh, what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote? God, there's like a billion favorite quotes. Hmm. Favorite quote. All right, I'm just—it's top of mind because it's my own. But uh, success is inevitable. Mm, I love that. Have no shame if it's yours, man. Just roll with it. I love that. What is one of your superpowers? Healing, healing myself and others. Mm, we might have to circle back to that one. What is one of your favorite books? Oh my God, so many! But I will tell you, probably the number one most powerful, not necessarily most enjoyable to read, but most powerful is Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender by uh, David Hawkins. Ah, I haven't heard of that. I might have to throw that one on the list. What is one thing that you're afraid of right now? One thing I'm afraid of right now. 
Um, you know, so interesting. I, I know I must, I, I, there's no doubt I've still got some, but all I do is find and let go of fears. Like that is a big part of what I'm doing all the time. I could talk about some that I've worked on recently. Uh, let go of my fear of heights, which I had for many years. Um, and you know, there's just so many like little fears that might pop. I'll tell you one that, that, that I just let go of actually pretty recently was um, a fear of not being accepted by people that I looked up to. Mm, I know that one too. I know that one very well. Who is someone who has changed your life? It's appropriate that this question's right after the one you just said. Yeah, gosh. You know, who hasn't? Uh, can I say more than one? Can I do five really fast? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, David Hawkins, uh, the author of that book that I mentioned, and he's the author of Power Versus Force and many others that you probably know. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements, The Mastery of Love, and many other great books. Uh, Tony Robbins, I traveled the world with Tony Robbins uh, a few years back, and, and that was really powerful. Um, uh, Evan Pagan, probably one of the best business mentors I've had over the years and friends, friend tour, um, a friend and mentor. And uh, could put one more on there, it'd probably be Dan Millman, author of uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Man, I love it. A lot of authors. Might circle back around to that Tony Robbins thing too. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far in your life? Overcoming my poverty mindset from uh, growing up on welfare and then becoming a multimillionaire. You know, the money's great, but the freedom from that lack mindset is far more valuable than the money. Oh, you better believe we're going to spend a lot of time on that thing. One regret that you have. Uh, um, I was uh, really insecure in school, uh, elementary school, junior high and high school, but I was probably at my most insecure in junior high and I didn't really have a lot of friends. And on the first day of school, I kind of made friends with this one guy who was more um, uh, who was even less popular than I was. And I, um, and we started, we, we like hit it off the first week or so, but then I was like, Oh my God, I can't be friends with this guy. Who's not popular because then I'm already not popular. And if I'm friends with this guy, like, you know, nobody will want to be friends with me. And so I stopped being friends with George and, uh, and I, that's a, Oh, brutal. Like have a, you, have you ever gone back and apologized like to poor George? Jerk. Have you ever gone back and apologized? If to I would, George? if I, if I would, if I'd find, if I could find him, I mean, you know, I, if Facebook would have existed back then, I'm sure. And, you know, I can, I've looked him up from time to time. I could look him up again, you know, maybe one, maybe right when we're done with this interview, but yeah, I, I would totally, I, I would totally apologize to him. I hope he's, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I hope his life turned out great, you know, ultimately like mine did, you know, I, it did, it didn't start great, but it's, it got great, you know, yeah, and it's getting sure. better and better all the time. We do some crazy stuff when we're young in school, don't we? Oh gosh, we sure do. And yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, being young is hard, way harder than being, uh, you know, people think that, oh, kids have it so easy. They don't have any of these, the, you know, the pressures or the worry or whatever. And, you know, that might be true for some kids, but I'll tell you, me and, and maybe a lot, I think a lot of kids, it's like, it's tough being a kid. I would not go back to being a kid 
ever. You know, if I had the choice of being, I mean, I maybe let my body get back to being, you know, 21 or something, but like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with my life right now and I would never want to go back, especially back to being, having to go to school and you know, hang around with a lot of other insecure and mean kids. Yeah. You and me both. We have more in common than, than I realized. Okay. Last question. What is something generous you've done recently? Um, I won a hundred dollars. Maybe it's not that generous, but I, my wife uh, supports my wife and I support a charity. It's more near and dear to my wife's heart. Um, helping women who, so one charity I like to support is, is uh, charity water, which is, uh, gets water to people who can't get clean water um, in other parts of the country, third world countries. My wife's favorite charity is um, uh, Hidden Treasures, which is here in San Diego that supports sex trafficked women. And, um, and so I just um, put a big wager in for on a ping pong uh, game for a few hundred dollars for whoever would win has to support the other person's charity. So I, I ended up winning the, winning the uh, um, ping pong and won several hundred dollars for my wife's charity. Oh that was gosh. the most recent. That That's just, awesome. Uh, I love it. That was actually Saturday night that we were just hanging out when I, I left early from our mastermind. And yeah. I, I went to my friend's housewarming and, and that's that. that that's awesome. That so that was the most recent charitable. I love it. Okay. So now that people have a better idea of who you are, let's go a little bit deeper into the interview. And I want to start here because like I said in the beginning, we've had a lot of conversations, but we've never gone deep, at least on our, our backstories. And I've read, you know, I've done my homework on you. I came across some really cool things. And one of the things that really surprised me was hearing that you went from welfare to now a multimillionaire. And people heard in the intro just all the accomplishments that you've done up to this point. You've got some amazing stories about some very specific events that shifted you growing up, uh, specifically growing up poor. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and some of these events? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so we weren't, we weren't, you know, we were sort of regular middle class, maybe, you know, when my first, you know, until my parents got divorced, they got divorced when I was nine. And then after that, then, you know, things changed because, you know, my mom is a waitress, was a waitress then and was supporting four kids on a waitress income. And, she, you know, so anyway, it was, it was tough. We started getting welfare. Um, I was wearing hand-me-down clothes for my brothers who were, you know, almost by the time I got the clothes, they were about a decade out of style. And I remember one day, you know, and sometimes the, the electricity would get turned off or the water would get shut off or whatever. But I remember one day I was wearing these hand-me-down clothes and, um, and I went to school and I was wearing bell bottoms in the eighties. Not, uh, not, not when, what, not when bell bottoms were at their peak of popularity. Well, let's just put it that way. <laughs> And the most popular kid in school, Everett, um, came up to me when all these other kids were around us, and he pushed his foot against the bottom of my bell-bottom jeans, and was, and then he rang the bell. He was like, ding dong, ding dong, oh. and everybody laughed, and I just felt ashamed. I felt, oh my God, like people. I just felt I felt I, I just felt kind of worthless and and that was really embarrassing and I felt ashamed and then like a, another week like a week or two later this other kid Ron so Everett was the most popular kid in school 
Ron was this other kid in school who was pretty popular. And he got these brand new fruity smelling markers. And, you know, this was, you know, in my world, that never existed before. I don't know if they actually, you know, I think they were brand new. Like they just came out, fruity smelling markers. I actually remember them. Back then. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like fruity smelling markers and everybody wanted to smell his markers. Everyone wanted to borrow his markers. And everybody was like, oh, these are markers. I'll be your best friend. And I just remember thinking like, ah, you know, if only we could afford fruity smelling markers, (laughs) then... I could have friends and people would like me. And so those two things happening back to back made me, the, the meaning I made was being poor, people don't like you. Being rich, people like you. Whoa. And so I, you know, so I felt ashamed of who I was basically my whole life, all through, you know, school, high school, you know, elementary school. Uh, I mean, end of elementary school, uh, junior high, high school. And then finally, you know, I started getting jobs when I was in high school a little bit and my, my mom remarried. So, um, our financial situation got a little bit better. So then I felt a little less ashamed about those kind of things. But even as an adult, um, when I was, uh, in my early twenties, I actually bought a house, not a very nice house. It was, you know, 950 square feet, Somehow three bedrooms. I don't know how you can get three hundred three bedrooms in a nine hundred fifty square foot home, but somehow they did, you know. And uh, so I, I had this house, um, but then I started a business, um, and I was struggling to get my business growing. And uh, I, you know, I, so I was falling behind on my mortgage. I was so stressed about my losing my house, and I was like, "Oh my god, if I lose my house, I don't know what I'm going to do." But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like what am I worried about losing my house for? Like, am I really like, I I didn't love the house. Like I wasn't that attached to the actual house. And I felt like if I lost my house, I had, you know, some friends and family, I could crash on someone's couch. I didn't really feel like I was facing homelessness. So I was like, what am I? So what, why am I so worried about losing my house? I couldn't quite figure it out. And then eventually it clicked that I, I wasn't afraid of the physical loss of my house I was afraid of what it meant and what I made it mean in my mind was that I would be that people would see me as a failure and people would see as whatever I thought they saw me as when I was a kid basically I wasn't afraid of that losing the house I was afraid of feeling the shame that I was feeling when I was a kid the shame of not having money the shame of being poor and so that's why I was so afraid about losing my house and when I realized that and uh, I also was able to use some of these healing techniques that I use these that I use today to help let that go. Um, then I didn't lose my house. I was I, I, I made peace with whether I lost it or not. I was like, okay, if I lose it, I lose it. But you know, I'm going for it with my business, and this is one of the risks, you know. And so I'm just going to go full steam ahead. But by making peace with it, now I wasn't constantly worrying about oh, I got to pay my mortgage or what if I lose my house. Now I was focused on you know, growing my business, getting clients and helping the clients that I had to, you know, make the biggest difference I could make in the world. And that shift was, a, you know, was huge for me. And my business has grown, you know, ever since. In fact, over the last three years, I've made the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for the last three years in a row. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of that, that healing, the emotional stuff is the way to bring in 
much more abundance into our lives. We're going to talk about that healing in a minute. When did you start this journey to go from this poverty mindset and all the baggage that came with the events growing up to deciding to wrap your arms around this and be, kind of become a master of it? When What shifted? When did you say, I'm going to figure this out? And what'd you do? You know, no, I don't know that there was a specific moment before the, the house thing. Um, but I've been into personal growth my whole life. I mean, basically since I was 12, um, just I was so insecure and whatnot. And I, um, one of my older brother's friends, my older brother's moved out of state. And one of my older brother's friends happened to be walking down the street. And he was like, hey, come on over here. And kind of took me under his wing a little bit and gave me, you know, some great books. Uh, like, Way, like I mentioned, Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. I read that when I was 12. That made a huge impact. And he just kept feeding me great books, and, uh, you know, personal growth, spiritual growth books. And so that, you know, was the beginning of a lot of shifting for me. I wasn't really focused on the money side of things per se then, but I had gotten ideas to start my business. And I think that was probably driven by, um, by a desire to be like, well, I want to, you know, I want to make money because I, you know, somehow that, you know, that's going to make, well, it, you know, it wasn't just that people would like me more if I was rich. That was one decision I made. But, you know, my parents fought a lot and a lot of their fighting seemed to be about money. And I just thought, well, geez, you know, money is going to solve all of our lives' problems. I personally didn't have a lot of wants back then. Back then, I just thought, you know, if I could have a, you know, a, like that 950-square-foot house, if I could have a, a little house, nice little car, a TV, and nothing, you know, I didn't have, like, huge desires back then. But through going to a lot of different seminars, you know, there was a lot of training on abundance, financial abundance, uh, you, know, you know, mixed in on a lot of these things. And I remember reading, um, uh, this, what's the name of the book by Wallace Waddles? Oh, you know that, that book's book? been recommended you know on here a couple times. The Science of Getting Rich. Yes. Science of Getting Rich. So I read The Science of Getting Rich and there was like, you know, somebody that was recommending the book was like, you got to read these three chapters like, oh, every single day. And I was like, all right, I read them every single day. I don't know if it helped or not, but, you know, um, but that was the start of, of working on more of my financial abundance. Um, and I just really in growing my business, that's, you know, that's been where, where I, where, where the money stuff I bumped up against, you know, when you have, when you're trying to offer something and then you have fears of people saying no fear of rejection fear fear of actually having money when i started making a lot more money this is another weird thing too when i started making a lot of money i remember when i went from uh me you know four years or so in my current business four and a half years to get my business to where to a hundred thousand dollars so from from zero thousand to go like four years four and a half years and then like overnight I went to a quarter of a million and all that money was coming in. And it was like, I just started feeling really weird, really weird. I can't really explain it. And it seems like, why would you feel weird making all this money? But I, I was, I felt really weird. And, uh, and so I had to do some, I had to do some healing work on myself so I could feel normal about making this kind of money. And then I also um, had created a vision board. And, I, and I, a lot of people talk about doing vision boards, and I think they're really good to do. But one of the things that I think people, um, I wouldn't say get wrong about vision boards, but one of the things that I think people could do better about vision boards is just to keep it very simple. 
you know, with just like five things on there and actual images of the physical things you want versus a lot of times people put very conceptual vision boards on there. And so it's hard to like get your mind to think, you know, I'm going to get this house or I'm going to get this car when it's just kind of like, you know, conceptual stuff. So I put pictures of all the things exactly what I wanted on my vision board. I put a picture of that kind of house I wanted, the kind of car I wanted, the part of this was, I, I made this vision board was when I was in Illinois before I moved to San Diego, kind of, but I knew I wanted to move to San Diego. Um, I put a picture of a house, put a picture of the ocean, put a picture of the kind of girl I wanted to be with, but you know, I was single at the time. And I remember um, when I bought the car that I wanted, you know, I had this thing on my vision board for three years and I, and I finally bought the car, which was this beautiful Lexus hardtop convertible at SC430. Still a beautiful car. I mean, it's still a beautiful car, but this is, you know, this is two or three cars ago for me now. And, uh, but I got this car and I remember on one hand feeling like proud of myself. That was kind of like a physical trophy of having achieved uh, some level of success. But at the same time, I felt really insecure that people were going to be judging me and thinking I was you know, some arrogant jerk for driving a nice car. And so I had to heal a lot of that kind of stuff. And ultimately, I've really come to the conclusion that if we want more abundance in our lives, then we need to, you know, A, get clear about what we want. B, tune in and see, right? Like you can, I, I waited till I achieved a lot of this stuff to then realize that I had some weird feelings about what was going on. And, but what I discovered is that you can actually find out if you have any weird feelings about getting the things that you want right now, and then resolve those weird feelings, and then attract those things into our lives way faster and easier. You know, what's fascinating is you're talking, so that's really been my, yeah, I'm fascinated by this it. journey of this mental battle you've had with being successful. And, and it brings up a question for me. So, you know, we were just in this mastermind this past weekend together and Ty Lopez was in there and he was walking us through what drives us, right? And, and mine surprised me. It was significance. And you spent quite a bit of time talking with him to narrow it down to money as determined by, by Ty. How'd that make you feel then, being that you've been through this entire mental journey of, is it okay? Is it not okay? Should I like nice things? Should I not? Can I be driven by this? Should I not be? When all the dust shook out and he said, you are driven by money. How'd that make you feel? Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't judge it at all. Um, as I thought about it, so this is one of the things that, you know, as we compared, you know, went through that process, one of the things I was trying to mention to him that, but other people were talking and I don't think he quite heard is that when a need is satiated, you know, or a drive is satiated, then like that, that system changes, right? So, you know, my number one may in this, like in this moment, out of those four things, right? The four things were money and material things, um, love and relationships, freedom and free time and flexibility, and then status and significance, right? So those were, the, those were the main four. And what I believe is that, you know, if I didn't, I don't know for sure which one's the number one. I think my number one is actually freedom. And I think my number two is actually love and relationships. And number three is money. And number four is status and significance. 
So, but my freedom need is completely met because I can work as much as little or as little as I want. I work exactly the amount I want to work. I get to do exactly what I want to do for a living. I rarely have to do work I don't enjoy. You know, so my freedom, and I can go on all the vacations I want, you know, my uh, need is completely filled up. So even though that's, I think my number one, it's satiated. And I think my number two, you know, is actually relationships. Because I remember when I was single, how much I really wanted to be in a relationship. And I wanted to be in a relationship way more than I wanted to have money. But for 13 years, 13 and a half years that my wife and I have been together, that need has been met. And so, you know, um, so those two, my two biggest needs are fully met. And I, you know, there's no drive. To, I don't want to get in another relationship, right? I don't want to get, I don't need more freedom. So of the two that are left, definitely money is more important to me than significance. I'd rather have get richer because that actually gives me more freedom, you know, and or get cooler stuff. It's not really all that much cool stuff out there that can make our lives better that I, right? I mean, certain things, I have a house that I live in, which is really nice. There's a, then I have another house on the same street that, I'm, that I work in, which I'm in right now, that I work mostly by myself here in this nice, beautiful house. Um, I have, I'm writing on a hoverboard right now during this interview, actually. <laughs> I've got a, like four hoverboards in the house for, uh, at the office for, you know, whenever friends are over, ping pong table, um, uh, foosball table, pool. You know, I've got, you know, there's not that much more things I want from money, but money can give more freedom. And, and there is a nice, incredible next level dream house that I am looking, I do have my eye on that, that, that more money is required to, for me to get into. Oh man. Um, and the status, I, you know, I have a status. A lot of people know who I am. Would I like to be even more well-known? Absolutely. Right. But I don't necessarily like some people are willing to just spend a ton of money to get status, even if it just costs a lot of money. And I'm not willing to do that. Right. That was one of the things that that's where Ty realized where I thought, well, okay, I want to become more well-known. And he's like, well, that's, you know, you could do that, you know, spend a bunch of money, da, 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 da. I'm like, well, I don't want to spend the money just to be more well-known if it's not going to, if it's going to have a return on investment, I'm up for doing that, but just doing it for its own sake. You know, that's why he was like, okay, well, your money is, you're definitely driven more by money than, than status. But, you know, but I, I don't, I didn't feel bad. I don't judge any, you know, there, I don't think there's any wrong motivation in life. Yeah, I you know, agree. even if it's to, I, you know, I, I realized that the part of my drive is to, you know, show the other kids in school, you know, how successful I've become. Right. I didn't realize that till, you know, till, I don't know, maybe like a year or so ago. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I have this, you know, or to impress my parents right? or to impress other people or whatever. Like, that's not my number one drive by a long shot. My number one drive is to make a difference in people's lives. I love helping people. Um, I got into coaching because it's, I get to help people for a living. I mean, that's the number one thing that got me into it. I never thought I could be, have a million dollar, multi-million dollar business or become a multi-millionaire by coaching. I just thought, wow, if I could make as much money as I made in my last job, which was $35,000 a year, myself in my own business and do something I love for a living. I'm like, sign me up. I can really tell you know? in our interactions that you are driven by impact, that you are driven by comp uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for by, um, you know, con contribution. 
And that's one of the things that stood out yeah. about you, which is obviously the, probably the number one reason why you have had such a successful coaching business, but also why your books have done so well. You know, your four time bestseller, which is remarkable. And one of the books I wanted to ask you about was your latest one, Abundance Unleashed. You know, because obviously that has everything to do yeah. with this podcast, number one. And number two, there are a couple things in there that just like totally intrigued me. And one of the things you said is that people will discover the secrets to eliminating the invisible forces that could be holding them back from having everything they want in life. What are these invisible forces? Fear, doubt, limiting belief, judgment, self-judgment, judgment of others. Um, really that's, that's what all those things, you know, all that inner stuff, those are the invisible forces. And the reason that not only are they invisible because they're, you know, inside of us and not outside of us, but they're also invisible because a lot of times we aren't even aware that they're there. You know, it's, it's really obvious sometimes, like, let's say, you know, if somebody fear of public speaking, and then somebody's like, hey, you know, can you give us talk about something? You know, can you give a speech at my wedding or whatever? And then you're like, oh, you know, so there's there can be moments where it becomes really clear that like, oh, I don't like that. Right. Or fear of heights. Like, oh, my God, I don't No, no, no. I know I don't like that. I have this fear, especially if it's a really strong fear or you have a very clear specific instance of it. It's like, OK, very obvious. I have this fear of speaking, fear of heights, whatever those fears are. But most of our fears are not as obvious to us, mm. right? So let's say, you know, you might, somebody who's single, if somebody's single, they want to get into a great relationship. It's like, okay, well, do you want to be in a great relationship? Yeah. Oh my God, I want it so bad. I want it so bad. Okay. All right. But then if you have imagined, this is one of the, one of the, tech, one of the techniques that we do at my live event, Abundance Unleashed Live, get rich in every life is I have people write down all their goals. And then I have them think about, okay, you were to have all of the things that you want quickly and easily. So I even take out the work and the time. If you could have it, if you could have everything that you want quickly and easily, notice what that feels like. And at least 70% of the people on any one particular goal will have some angst about it. So maybe they want to be in a great relationship. And then you think about, okay, think about being in a great relationship. What does it feel like? And, you know, almost always it's going to feel good. But there, can also, there could also be a little, like, angsty, weird feeling about having the thing that you want. And, you know, maybe it's a fear of having your heart broken. Like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to be in a relationship, but ooh, ooh. You know, and then you might realize, whoa, I've had a pattern of, like, meeting people. Things start to get, you know, in good but they also get scary and then you know maybe you end the relationship before they do right because you're too afraid they're going to break up with you and reject you and break your heart so then you you know you do you end the relationship too soon or who knows what's going on but there's all all these unconscious hidden um things that determine our behavior and some of its thing you know some these things and, and really our emotions are 100% in charge of our behavior, mm -hmm. right? Most of what we do is, is we're driven to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Yep. Physical pain, right? And emotional pain. We, wanna, we want emotional joy. We want to seek emotional pleasure and avoid 
emotional pain. And, and, and we're biologically hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's what keeps us alive. That's what keeps us to, you know, tells us oh, it's time to go eat some food, right? I'm feeling a little pain of hunger. And then I'm like, I get to enjoy the, the pleasure of eating. And then the drive for sex, you know, we need to have sex to keep the species alive. And, you know, and all this physical drive for, to avoid pain and to seek pleasure when we, when we follow the same thing emotionally, what happens is we end up suppressing, repressing our, our emotions. So if we feel something uncomfortable, we like stuff it down, which is probably what happened when I got teased in elementary school, whenever it rang the bell on my jeans and everybody laughed and I was like, oh God, I feel so ashamed. Let me stuff that bad feeling down. And then you just, you know, throughout life, we do that kind of stuff. And then it, it, it skews our behavior. It drives us, you know, maybe in not great ways, you know, drives us to do things maybe that aren't in our best interest or the world's best interest sometimes, you know, or, and it keeps us from taking action is what most of the time what happens. Like, you know, maybe you want to start a business, but then, you know, I know when I was going to first start my business and I had a regular job, everybody was like, oh my God, you're going to quit your job. And like, what are you going to do for health insurance and everybody was so scared. And I was like, that made me more scared. Yeah. All those fearful thoughts that people just like interject on you. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I, you know, I put off getting started in my business, you know, stayed at my job longer than I definitely way longer than I should have. And, uh, you know, and then it's like, okay, the, the business I actually started before my coaching business actually had to cold call all these major corporations to try to get them on board to partner with me in this crazy business idea I had back then. And so I was cold calling all these businesses. And it's like, that isn't picking up the phone and like trying to talk to somebody who could actually make a decision about it. And then, and then try to explain it and then try to get them excited about it. And then, you know, it's like, <laughs> but getting myself to pick up the phone over and over again. And that's one of the things that actually helps build a lot of personal growth muscle is sometimes you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it builds your courage muscle, which strengthens you as a human being, I believe. So building yeah. these muscles. And one of the things that we can do. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say building these muscles, like getting through the fears, all this stuff. Are these, these healing techniques that you mentioned a couple of times? Like, is this the peace process? Is this the instant miracle or is that something different? Yeah. So the peace process and instant miracle are the two tools I use the most for my own inner healing and for healing my clients and seminar attendees. Uh, I've you know worked with uh, tens of thousands of people, he- healed tens of thousands of people over the years using these techniques. Um, and the peace process is definitely one of them. It's one everybody can do that's listening right now. I'll teach every- I'll teach. Yes. And then the Instant Miracle has a more exotic story, which I'll tell you. And it's something that that uh, I do at my events and I do with my clients, but we'll be probably not going to be able to do on this, on this call. Uh, but the peace process is basically the opposite is to do the opposite. How the peace process works is that instead of suppressing and repressing these uncomfortable emotions, we exercise our courage muscle and we get ourselves to feel the feelings. We don't have to feel the feeling and do it anyway, necessarily. Sometimes if you can't resolve it using these techniques fast enough before some activity, like let's say you have a pump, you're going to yeah, give a speech and you're nervous. Now, if you have a little bit of time, we can do these techniques, get to peace. And I believe you can get to peace with any fear. 
any fear, any, any pain from the past, any fear about the future. I believe we can get to peace about anything using these techniques. And I've been able to, in my life, and I've been able to, you know, I've witnessed, you know, like I said, tens of thousands of people over the years having, uh, getting to peace on things as well on all kinds of different issues. Um, but how it works is instead of pushing the feelings away, like let's say you're going to, you need to give a talk, right? You need Mm -hmm. to give a speech somewhere, or let's say you're in a relationship and you're afraid that you're going to, they're going to break up with you or you have your work and you're afraid you're going to get fired. Whatever your fear is, instead of pushing it down and trying to distract ourselves from it by drinking alcohol, eating sugar, watching TV, watching porn, having, you know, addictions or, um, or even, you know, quote unquote, healthy addictions, like exercise addiction, where people are you know, exercising and exercising a lot, or becoming a workaholic, you know, to try to not feel these feelings, mm-hmm. which is what drives a lot of workaholism. Uh, and, you know, and stuff like that. So instead of distracting ourselves from the feelings, we want to actually just let ourselves feel them fully and completely. And how the peace process works is, that the first thing you want to do is you want to think about the thing that's upsetting you or that's creating the fear or the anxiousness or whatever, right? Is there fear of public speaking? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, think about public speaking. Okay. Now, when you feel that fear, notice where it is. Step two is to feel, is to notice where it is in your body. Mm-hmm. So step one, think of the thing that pushes your buttons. Step two, find the spot of greatest intensity. So you might feel it in, you might feel it in a lot of places, maybe all over your body, but maybe it's in your chest. And then step three is the tuning even deeper to find the, the pinpoint spot of greatest intensity. So let's say if it's in your chest, maybe it's over to the left-hand side, you know, two inches down from your collarbone or wherever it is, right? That's the most intense part. And then the third thing you want to do, or the fourth thing, you, the next thing you want to do is to just make it okay that that feeling is there without trying to change it or analyze it, without trying to make it go away. You just want to be present to it. And then the next thing you want to do is, if you can, be send it love. Send it love. Be as unconditionally loving towards the feeling as you can. Be as compassionate towards this feeling as we can. The natural reaction is like, oh, this feeling is hurting me, and I hate you, bad feeling. Like, get away from me. I want to kill it. Get it out of here. What we want to do instead is embrace it. Just let it be there and just stay present to it. And your presence is like flame of an oil candle. And all this pent up stuck emotion is like the oil from the oil candle mm-hmm. and your presence will burn out all the oil, but we never know how much oil is in there. So we don't know how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Usually with the peace process, you can resolve things in a matter of some amount of minutes. It's usually measured in minutes. So, you know, it, it could be like one to two minutes. Sometimes it could be 10, 15 minutes. It could be, you know, it could be even a couple of hours. And I've had a few that have taken me, you know, several, um, several intense sessions, several long sessions over the course of several months. That's very rare. I've only had a few that have had taken a really long time. Most things happen in our, in measured in an amount measured in minutes. And, and the, the, the tough thing is that, you know, one minute of pain can feel like an hour, right? You know, it could feel really intense to be present to these feelings. But if you really just focus on the physical sensations in your body and you stay out of the mind and stay out of the story and you just really tune into the most intense part, 
it's not too bad and it, and it will go down. It usually goes down. So, you know, if, the, if it's like a level eight on a scale of zero to 10, if it's a level eight of intensity and you stay with it for just three, four, five minutes, a lot of times it'll start dropping in intensity. And there's no um, science to how long it is. Like how intense it is doesn't determine how long it's going to take to resolve. Sometimes it's super intense and resolves really fast. Sometimes it's very mild. It could be like a, a level one or two level of intensity. And it could still take a long time. You never know how long it's going to take. But the good thing is, is that if you can imagine all of our fears, doubts, limiting beliefs, all that stuff can be let go. You can be, you can, you can release, you can get to peace on. Um, and, on, you know, and there's, I've found there's infinite number of things that can push our buttons or that we have little things that, you know, to heal. Um, and I've healed, you know, probably tens of thousands of my own things over the last, uh, you know, 14, 15 years that I've been, that I've been doing this peace process. That's amazing. So these are the things you teach at your event coming up. Is the event based on the book? Tell me about the event. Yeah, the event is called Abundance Unleashed Live. And this is exactly what we do at the event. So, you know, look and get the book, which I highly recommend. Um, and, you know, study it and do it on their own. Um, and also, you know, there's, there's beliefs that I teach at the event that I've developed over the years that, ha- that are just what I would call extreme abundance beliefs. All right. So, you know, one I mentioned at the beginning, which is success is inevitable. Like believing success is inevitable is very powerful. Now, I really only believe it's inevitable that success is inevitable if you're willing to do the work. If you're willing to do the work in the world, and you're willing to do the work on yourself, and you never give up, then success is inevitable. And, you know, other infinite, you know, other super abundant beliefs, um, I have all the time in the world. You know, most people feel like there's not enough time in the day, there's not enough days in the week, you know, people are stressed about time. I rarely get stressed about time. Um, And it's because I worked on it. You know, and, and also, um, you know, another one is thank God I'm rich. That's one of the actual, you know, um, coming full circle chapters of your book, right? Thank God I'm rich or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You gotta tell me about this. This one's intriguing to me. Yeah. So, you know, going full circle to, um, to feeling poor when I was a kid and being teased for it is that now I realized I was rich back then. Mm. We were on welfare, but, you know, that means the government was helping take care of us. Mm-hmm. We got food from the food pantry. That means our local community was helping take care of us. You know, we had running water most of the time. We had electricity most of the time. We had heat most of the time. And, you know, in the winter, which is, which is a great time to have it. And, uh, um, and you know, the richest Kings in the world didn't have those things 500 years ago. And while I was comparing myself to my peers and, you know, and I was embarrassed because I was wearing clothes that were a decade out of style, but my mom grew up even poorer and she barely, she had to wear the same clothes to school almost every day. Wow. And she finally got a new pair of clothes. She finally got a new, brand new pair of clothes. And her older sister wore them. And she was bigger than her and ripped them and oh. ruined them. 
And I just remember feeling like, oh my God, like I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, but there's, there's always people who have it harder than us. But, you know, even my mom, as poor as she was, is, there's always, you know, there's people who are, have it way worse. We're so rich. And think about this. Honestly, this is what I believe now. I believe that every human being on earth that, is, that has enough food, water, and shelter to, stay, to, to be alive is rich. Because being alive is rich. Mm, I love that. What a great way the to feel The richest thing that we can have, the richest thing we have is life. And every single person alive right now has had all the food, water, and shelter that they've needed to keep them alive. There may have been days where we, they didn't have food. There's days where I didn't have food, days without shelter, days without you know, enough water, but enough to keep us all alive. And if you're alive, that life force is rich in and of itself. Oh my God. That is wealth unto itself. And so the more you can own, this is another great thing too, is a few years ago, a good buddy of mine, we were, uh, I had a, a mastermind uh, out in Sedona with uh, just a few high, you know, select high, high, uh, high achieving people. And, uh, and we were hanging out. And one of the things he said, and this is where I started saying the thank God I'm rich, is he said he started he said he started owning the identity of being rich and he he was like you know what i'm i i need to own that i'm rich and he said he went to he went out to um, eat or something like that and they accidentally overcharged him some uh, they they put the tip on or something and then he added an extra tip and they were like oh you know we we already the tip was already included you don't need to add it or something like that you know but we already accidentally we processed it, you know, so we're sorry. Or do you want us to do something about that? And he's like, you know, it's just, you know, it's a good thing I'm rich. And so he said that to me and I was like, wow. And so I was like, I'm going to take that on for myself. And instead of saying it's a good thing I'm rich, I was just started saying, thank God I'm rich. Cause I just feel like the more grateful we are, the more, you know, the more we thank, you know, we appreciate and connect the source, the better. And that same weekend, um, I was in Sedona and they have all these, you know, great crystals out there and stuff like that. And I, I was, I was, I was, this was right before I was about to move into my dream home here in San Diego that we had built. Um, it's the first of the two houses that we have on the same block. And I was looking for crystals and they had these gigantic stalactite, stalagmite crystals that were taller than me and incredibly beautiful. And um, and I was, I was gonna, I was buying them and the lady who was ringing it up somehow they can, she was like, going to try to make it like if I paid cash somehow it was in Arizona, somehow they could have, they could not have to charge me state tax for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> which would have saved a lot of money. Cause these things were like 13 grand oh, wow. um, or 18 grand even or something like that. And, and so, you know, so she was trying to do it and she just, she's like, ah, oh, you know, if you could pay with a check or something, which I'm like, I was out of town. I didn't bring my checkbook or anything, you know? And I was like, you know, thank God I'm rich. I, I can, I can, I can pay it. No big deal. Wow. And she was just like, oh my God. Like, and this, and I'm taking on that identity of being rich. Now it's like a different way. It's not about how much money you have. In fact, the richest person in the world isn't the person with the most money. It's the person with the most gratitude. Oh yeah. I, I had a, a few years ago, my personal income went from $350,000 a year to one million three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, wow. so I had my personal income, my personal income income increased by a million dollars a year, year over year. And that same year, 
I was super focusing on gratitude. And, you know, which of those do you think made a bigger impact on the quality of my life? The extra million dollars or the extra gratitude? The gratitude, without a doubt. The gratitude, the gratitude, huge. And, you know, and I usually ask people, okay, in my audience, which one do you think, which one do you think made the, the biggest impact on the quality of my life? Most people will say the gratitude. And I'll say, all right, but if you could raise your hand, I mean, if you could pick one or the other, an extra million or an extra gratitude, which would you pick? And most people, you know, reluctantly answer honestly that they'd rather have the million dollars. And that's just because they think that it would be harder to get the million than it is to get the gratitude. Maybe they could get the gratitude on their own. And you can get the gratitude on your own, um, you know. So for the gratitude, you know, if you want to be rich now, start appreciating what you have. Because we have so much in our lives. And that, that, creates, that creates more abundance. And then, yeah, my event, it's Abundance Unleashed Live. So we talk about all these infinite, you know, these divine, what I call these divine abundance beliefs. And so we, we, you know, I teach about that. And then we do all these, we have, I have these assessments. So you can assess how abundant you are. Um, in you know money money abundant love abundant health abundant and time abundant so i have these four abundance assessments that people can take and we take them at the beginning of the event and then we start and then we also you know write down all our goals and then we start diving in like where are we being held back what is it that we want that we're actually afraid to have or what is it that we want but we're afraid to take action to get right so maybe you want to be in a great relationship and you don't have a fear of having your heart broken. You're ready to get in that relationship. But when you think about going and talking to somebody that, you, or that you're attracted to, maybe that is scary, right? So maybe we need to work on that. Or you want to have more money, maybe you have a fear of being, right? Because maybe, you know, you learned that, you know, in your family, people in your family judge people who are rich that thought they were arrogant jerks and selfish and mean. And the only way to get rich is by hurting other people, right? So, but you know, but maybe, so maybe you got to let go of that, or maybe you have nothing against rich people and you have no fears about being rich and you're not worried that people are going to judge you, or you're not worried that you're going to have to pay more taxes. Or you're not worried that, you know, people are going to come out of the word work and tell you that you should give them some, some of this money and you have to have uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations with people, or, you know, maybe you don't have any worries about that kind of stuff, but maybe the things that you know you need to do, or you think you need to do to, to have more money, like maybe asking for a raise maybe that feels a little scary, right? Or maybe starting your business, maybe that feels scary. So all those things, what I do is I bring people up on stage and I work with them using the peace process and the instant miracle technique to help them release those fears, those doubts, those limiting beliefs quickly and easily. And what's great is that as I'm healing someone, as I'm working with someone and, and we're healing their stuff on stage, the healing is also healing everyone in the room. Oh man. Because that other technique, which is this, this instant miracle technique is an energetic healing technique and it's super powerful. Sometimes just with the instant miracle technique, you can resolve a fear. See I had one lady that I worked with and we did this instant miracle technique and instantly her fear of public speaking was gone. Oh my God. See, that's what I love about your event. You actually do the do you share the tools you work, you walk people through it. You don't just get up there and do a whole bunch of hype. I can't stand events. There's a whole bunch of hype. Yours is one that shifts people. It's not just one that motivates people. So how can people go to your event? When is it? Where is it? Great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's in San Diego, California. It's coming right up June 8th, 9th and 10th, um, of 2018. So it's right around the corner. And, um, and, 
anybody who wants to come, you can come as my guest since you're a, a listener of Chris's show. Um, all you need to do is, uh, here, you know, I'm going to double hook everybody up. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give everybody a free copy of my book. Oh my and so God, they can the get best. my book for free. If they, if they, if they want to just, well, what's the most abundant thing I could do, right? Give it all away. So if you cover, if they'll cover shipping and handling, I'll, I'll send out a book. I'll pay for the book. So I've got to buy the books, but I'll, 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 we'll ship it out for you. So just go to um, myabundancebook.com. You can get the book for free. Just cover shipping. And then after you get the book, then I'm also going to hook you up with a virtually free, basically a tuition waiver to the event. So instead of paying $2,000, tuition you don't have to pay for that we just have a 99 dollars registration fee that helps us cover the costs and lets us know that you're actually coming so free book free event just cover shipping just cover the uh the uh um registration fee and you know i'm hooking everybody up so just go to myabundancebook.com and you can get get the book and then after you get the book We'll, uh, we'll hook you up where you can get registered for the event. And, um, and this event is going to, I mean, people's lives change. Here's something else amazing about the instant miracle technique is not only is it powerful for helping people heal the emotional stuff, but it turns out that a lot of the physical stuff, the physical things that people need to heal um, seem to get completely resolved too. Now, not everything, you know, not every physical condition everyone has ever had that they've attended my has left, you know, completely resolved. But I mean, there's people who've come needing, who had hearing aids that after, when they left, they left not needing them anymore. Wow. People who needed glasses, not needing glasses anymore. People with lifelong migraines, not needing, not, no longer having migraines. People with fibromyalgia symptoms and never, never having symptoms come back. So many things, arthritis. I mean, so many things have been healed with Instant Miracle. And we're going to do a lot of health stuff. These, you know, um, you know, uh, I was talking to actually Sterling from our mastermind. He was like, you know, health is like really everybody when it comes down to it, if you don't have health and you don't have anything, and health should ever be everybody's number one value. And I'm like, well, if you have health, then it's probably not your number one value because you're not focused. Your health is great, right? Mm -hmm. That need is satiated. But if you don't have health, it quickly becomes your number one value. And, you know, so the last thing I want is everybody to have tons of money, time, you know, love, but not health, right? So we right. Wanna, we're going to focus on all of it. We're going to focus on, on getting people richer, not just feeling richer, but actually getting richer, making more money, right? And if people have their own business, you know, work on helping you release anything that could be holding back from charging more, that's, always, that's, that's usually a big thing for people. Um, love abundance. And I, and I think that all of these abundances are related. You know, I know that the more I love myself, the more I feel loved by by others, the, the easier it is for me to make friends and even making business friends who can support me and help me grow my business. Right. So that's why love abundance is important to, to your money abundance. And if you love yourself, you'll feel more like, you, you know, you'll own your worth. You'll maybe ask for raises and things like that. So, um, so they're all related and same thing with time abundance, right? Some, a lot of people feel like, oh yeah, I want to make a lot more money, but, oh, it's going to just take so much extra work and time and I don't have the time. 
And we let go of that and help you realize you got all the time in the world. Then there's plenty of time to make more money. And I know that one is people who think that, well, time is finite. There's only 24 hours in a day. Well, that's true. But think about like the same 24 hours, you know, somebody could be making billions of dollars a year or billions, you know, becoming a billionaire in the same 24 hours, somebody could be homeless, right? So it's not the hours per se that produces results. It's what you're doing during those hours. And so there's a lot of ways, obviously, to work smarter, not harder. But we've all heard that. But if you can let go of your fears about not having enough time and you feel more abundant, then you can make better decisions. We hardly ever make the best decisions when we're feeling afraid. This and then, you know, health abundance. So we're going to work on all of these things. I like, I'm more than blown away right now. The, it's such a gift. Thank you for doing that for my listeners. It's, I, I owe you the biggest thank you. Thank you so much for making it so possible for them to go and get these shifts because this is the real deal. So I, we'll make sure we put it in the show notes. We'll make sure it's easily accessible. Uh, we'll share it on social media, the whole nine yards. Thank you for doing that for everybody. So let me ask you this. You're so welcome. I ask everybody this question, but before I do, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? You know, the best place is, you know, myabundancebook.com. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, you know, we're, in our mastermind, there's some, everybody's like social media savvy and I'm not. You know, so I, I think my, my Instagram is probably Christian Michelson. Um, my, you know, look for me on, you can find me on Facebook, Christian Michelson. Um, you know, it's spelled like Mickelson. Uh, but yeah, you'll see it in the show notes. So maybe we could put in some of my social media links. I'll, my team will help you figure out what those are because I don't even know what they are. But so you can follow me there. And, uh, and the best place would just be to go to myabundancebook.com. You can get, you know, get on the, um, you know, get to know me better that way and the book and all that stuff. We're putting links to all that in the show notes. So last question is this. I ask everybody this question. I'm, I'm so curious to ask you this one. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth? God made us. And if you have a desire for something, it came from this system that God set up for us. Mm. You know, desire is a beautiful thing. Having big goals forces us to become bigger people. Mm. You know, most people, if they win the lottery, most people, over, over 80% of people who win the lottery end up right back in the same financial situation or worse or worse off in just a few short years because they never become a millionaire on the inside. And if you want real sustainable results, if you want to be in an amazing relationship, if you want great health, if you want um, more money, if you want a beautiful car, if you want a beautiful house, you know, God never gives you a desire without also being, without also giving you the ability to fulfill that desire. So, Having And what's great about having big goals and being passionate about having more in life is that if you want more, you're going to have to become more. You're going to have to grow through all this stuff. It's so much. It's easy to just have a regular, comfortable life. It's not great to have a comfortable life, but it's so easy to just sit around on the couch, watch TV all day, you know, go to your regular job and just, you know, be okay. And a lot of people will teach to just be happy with what you have. And I teach that too. 
be happy with what you have and go for more because mm. more is good. More yeah. is good. I, I wouldn't have healed all the stuff that I had to heal and become more abundant and become more limitless. Right. I believe that the more we, I think the way I look at it is we are a piece of the divine plucked from the wholeness of God, dropped a little droplet, dropped into it, this infinite powerful drop dropped into an infinitely powerless baby. And so we grow up from babyhood to adulthood and we grow up as a kid and we see like all these giant adults that are big, that's strong. They know all the answers. They're, you know, bigger than us. They're stronger than us. I'm not, I'm weak. I'm not, you know, and all this, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. And yet inside we have this infinite power and, but we don't release it. The best way, the, the way we release it is to step up and work through our fears, to, to let go of those fears, to let go of the limitations, to let go of the limiting beliefs, to let go of the fears, all that stuff. As we let go of it, we, we reclaim more of our infinite power and we let in, we let go of more of our ego and we reclaim more and more of our divinity. And we, we let more God consciousness into our lives and flow it through us, which then helps create more God consciousness in our society, which helps us all, you know, if we, if we want peace, if you want world peace, start with becoming peaceful yourself, number one. And number two, if we want to have a peaceful world, we need a world filled with peaceful people. And the more abundant we are, the more peaceful the world is going to be because it's really scarcity, scarcity of resources, scarcity of self-love, scarcity of, you know, all that stuff. That's what makes people upset and angry and fighting. But if we work through our stuff and, and if all the world works through their stuff and, and that's, you know, people can get rich without necessarily working through their stuff if they don't have any buttons about it. I know, you know, I don't, I know I would never have gotten to the level of wealth that I have if I hadn't healed the stuff I needed to heal. But other people maybe don't have the same buttons on the same stuff. But ultimately going for more, whatever it is that you want. And that isn't just about more money. More money's great too, but if you want to be in a great relationship, gotta be willing to heal the, you know, find those deep dark places and and surface them and heal them. And and I, I think is the that's what I think that's what those desires are here for. It's to help us grow and to help us make the world a better place. If the best way to get rich is to enrich the lives of other people. Dude. And if you think about all the richest people in the world, most of those people do it. Most of the companies make money. By enriching people's lives, either by help with creating entertainment like movies and movie studios or creating great devices like, you know, iPhones and computers and all kinds of stuff. Those things enrich our lives, enrich our society. And it's a beautiful thing getting rich. Yes. Amen. I couldn't agree more. What a beautiful answer. What a beautiful explanation. Honestly, everything you've shared is just absolutely epic. I'm so grateful for you, buddy. Thank you for the special offer for my listeners as well. We're going to make sure we post that everywhere. So any parting words as we come to a close here? Yeah, you know, anything that you want, you can have, you know, success really is inevitable. But certain now, you know, there may be certain things, you know, if you're 80 years old and you want to make, you know, make it on the, make it to the NBA, 
that's probably that's probably not going to happen. There's certain things, certainly within certain parameters, but for the most part, I mean, if you want to have a great relationship, you can have it. You know, if you want to have a great family life, you can have it. If you want to be rich and make a lot of money, you know, you can you can have that. If you want to be able to do work you love for a living, you know, for for, for a living, you can have that. If you want to have total time freedom, you can have that. If you want great health, you know, now, again, there may be certain within certain parameters of certain conditions that people have, but, you know, most terminal cancers, there's cases of people who have turned it around, you know. Um, now, there may be certain things that, you know, if people have a, I haven't, I haven't heard of anyone who had a severed spinal cord having that fixed yet. Like there's certain parameters again with certain health situations, but I've seen so many people with quote unquote irreversible health um, challenges had have that then had those had them reversed right so um whatever you want just decide to have it that's one of the things i learned years ago like i heard somebody say if you want to be a millionaire don't just hope to be a millionaire don't just dream to be a millionaire decide to be a millionaire and it's and everything flows from a decision now when i made that decision to be a millionaire myself i was like oh yeah i'm just going to decide and i'll become a millionaire next year or in three years or five years well took probably over 10 years from my decision to the to when I finally became a millionaire. But those 10 years are going to go no matter what, right? Why not have them go by in pursuit of your dreams and then have your life be you living your dreams come true and maybe living a life beyond your wildest dreams, which is what I'm so fortunate, blessed, crazy lucky to be able to do right now. Man, and you know, it doesn't mean I don't still have problems or that I don't still have insecurities or that things don't still pop up for me. No, my things, my buttons still get pushed. I find something else I, and I work on it and I heal it. Mm. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm addicted to feeling good. And so if I, if anything is like bothering me, I'm going to find it and I'm going to peace process it, instant miracle it and, and move on and get back to feeling good. Yes, I love it. God, you you are so empowering. Thank you. Thank you for the special offer. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time today, Christian. You absolutely killed it. My pleasure. I'm just so happy I could be here and be in service of everybody and share this message with everybody that, you know, it was a hard, this was all very hard fought and, uh, you know, it took me a long time to, to figure it all out, but I'm, you know, super happy to be here and super grateful to, to be able to share this with your folks. Mm, thank you, brother. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.